WJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other host, guest, or programs on this station. And welcome to a subdued uh, Sports Plus show with uh, just with Big D and Joe. Uh, and Joe is sort of worn out in Jersey, correct, Joe? Very correct. Uh, and, you know, it, it might help, too, that, it, that Matt's not here for me to yell at anyway. <laughs> usually what's well, me, what gets me know, riled up. Hey, listen, so. we love the guy, but if he talks one more time about getting rid of the draft to even things up, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break my computer. Well, we, we have to give Matt credit because he, he gives this show its, <laughs> its life by coming up with preposterous suggestions. <laughs> no, actually, no, no, no. Let's give him credit. He's a great thinker. And, that, uh, that is great. And he's and he's Matt, a good we, balance for us because we're way far on the uh, left hand side of the dial yeah and, and matt yeah. matt is actually on cape cod with his family and you know i spent a lot of time there i lived there for a few years had a restaurant there so I, i'm thrilled that he's getting to enjoy the cape um right. but we certainly could use him this week because uh, as you said i am at um <laughs> i am at limited capacity and you know we yeah. talked last week my dad my dad passed away a few weeks ago we had his public memorial on uh, Thursday, and as I said to you when we came on, I don't think I've ever been this exhausted in my entire life, yeah. and I don't know if it's if well. It's that Jeep, I know you love your forty-year-old Jeep, but that can't be that comfortable for a long ride. No, it's not, and it limits me to you know three, four hundred miles a day most days. And on top of that, you know, I mentioned I had one mechanical issue. Uh, the about day four, day five, I had another one on Sunday night, pulling into my campsite in outside Cleveland. Um, all of a sudden, my wheels weren't turning properly as Ooh. they should. And this is like the last now, couple. Now, what of kind minutes. of steering do you have? You don't probably don't have power steering in that Jeep. No, right? it is. It's power steering. It's, it's power um, steering. Okay. It's you know, it's a. 79 so it's not super old yeah, but it's yeah it's got you know not super old now hold on a second here. <laughs> 21 plus 21 is 42 somebody driving a 42 year old car uh, you know even by my standards i would consider that an old car i i think of <laughs> when i think of old i think of i mean i've driven my god three of my last five vehicles have been 1979 or, or older i love i would i would much rather drive a 70 something anything than a 2000 anything anything well yes and no i, I in agreement with that the um so when i was raising my kids uh three kids and a single parent um i just would get whatever car whatever old car i could sure to um to you know, so we drove a lot of old Buicks, uh, and uh, now my oldest son got really adept. This really helped him in school. He wasn't he wasn't a, a natural student, um, but he found out that he could read manuals on how to install uh, FM stereo cassette players. And so all these Buicks that we would drive, all these old cars, had spectacular at the time. Um, <laughs> Uh, sound systems in them in the 90s <clears throat> and uh, so that's what I drove now however Joe I so my son out in San Diego uh, bought a Tesla he bought a Tesla mm -hmm. that uh, it, it was a limited run because it only 
went 180 miles and that wasn't enough for Elon Musk. Right, so right. this was a short thing. So he got a real good deal on it. And it's, uh, and he let me drive it when I was out there. And Joe is sort of like the first time you fall in love, the first time you, whatever it is, you know, the first time you, you smoke marijuana, the first time you have a drink, whatever, you know, whatever life changing event happens your way. Um, I just couldn't believe it. Now the Tesla is, Leonardo da Vinci of cars. I mean, it's just spectacularly set out in every way you could think of. Um, but anyway, so now I drive an all electric Nissan Leaf and it is heaven, heaven, heaven. Heaven in the respect that it's quiet and comfortable quiet. and gets a zillion miles a gallon. And I However, don't know. It's, there's no gas. There's no oil in the car. Oh, it's all your pure electric? It's pure electric. And how, so all how, I have to do is, is plug it in. What's your range? What's your maximum range? 250 miles. I'm driving to Rhode Island. I was driving to Rhode Island today, but my kids got sick. So well, I'm driving what, tomorrow. What's funny is that's probably further than I can go on a tank of gas. In the heat. <laughs> however, however, when I need to stop and refill my tank, it takes three and a half minutes instead of. Right. But there is. A, um, I, had, I was actually going to stop by the dealer to try and figure this out. There is a fast charging half hour. You know, you have to have a 220-volt connection. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. But even, I mean, for for – Commuters for local local city drivers, electric cars are fantastic. They're I do lou- twenty miles a day. I, I could charge it once a week right. if I wanted to. They're, but they're they're lousy options for long road trips for for very obvious reasons. And the other problem is well, no, 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 not true. I mean, there are places to where you can get the charges. There's no way I would attempt a cross country road trip on a on a in a pure electric vehicle. You just well, I'll let you know how the Rhode Island trip goes. Yeah, well, I mean, again, you're inside your your range, and yeah. you know, you'll you'll have to find a place, I guess, when you get there. Or can you bring? How portable is the charger? Oh no, it's totally portable, and um, uh, I mean, it's just a, you just have a, a cord, so you just have to find places that charge. Oh, just and in that I've, way. I've got the okay. a, the uh, app that tells me where they all are. So, so the the other the other issue I have with anything new. And anything shiny <laughs> is that you know my sister bought a 2017 Jeep and has had nothing but nightmares with it, and mm-hmm. I I you can you know the the cost of repairing a, a modern car is absurd, and you know I had two fairly significant mechanical failures on the way out here. One of them I fixed on my own free of charge. The other one. Um, so yeah, to, so to finish up this part of the story, I'm, I, I'm the last, you know, 15 minutes of the drive were this 50 mile an hour country road up and down these huge Hills. And there were a couple of stop signs towards the end. And I hit my brakes to stop and the left <laughs> front wheel was shaking, shaking like really Ooh. hard. So I'm like, okay, this, whatever this is, I'm going to have to look at it in the morning. And I had all my tools and a bunch of spare parts. I was ready for most anything. And so I, Pulled into my campsite, kind of limped in. And once I got inside the park, was you know going 15 miles an hour. And I pulled up to my campsite and I went to back in and to cut the wheel to back in. And I'm turning the wheel and my right wheel is front wheel is turning. My left front wheel is staying dead straight. So Ooh. I just kind of pulled into the end of the little driveway that was there. Said it's 10:30 at night. Just go to sleep. Deal with it in the morning. Yeah. And so the next morning I I crawl underneath and there's a a 
pin without getting too technical. There's a, a rod, a, a metal bar that connects the right and left wheels. So when you steer on the solar vehicle, it's really the steering mechanism is just manipulating the right wheel. And then there's a, a you know, four and a half foot piece of metal that connects the two. And at each end, there's a little, you know, kind of a ball joint and a thread with a nut at the top that's held in by a pin, by a cotter pin. And I, this is stuff I had all checked pretty thoroughly before I left because this was one of the things that I anticipated fixing when I got to my sister's. So I had all of these metal bar and ball <laughs> joints in the back all ready to swap out when I got to my sister's. But what happened at some point on Wednesday or on Sunday, rather, one of those pins broke. And so this nut had just fallen off uh, and I was steering my right wheel and not my left wheel. Uh, and thank God this didn't happen on 15 the road. minutes, 15 minutes earlier. Yeah, yeah. It would have been a much more serious, you know, much more difficult thing to, to adapt to. You can't but, drive in circles on the interstate. Right. Right. <laughs> and at that point I couldn't even, I couldn't even control where I was going. It would only go pretty much straight forward and back. So, and no, now here I am. It's Monday morning. The funeral's on Thursday. I'm in Cleveland. Wow. So a lot of phone calls so Monday morning because I, I had the parts, but what I didn't <clears> have <throat> were jack stands and something else I was missing yeah, that, that yeah. I needed. But so anyway, I, a bunch of phone calls later, long story short, found a place that could do it that morning, was on the road by two that afternoon, made it to State College. State College, Pennsylvania. Um, stayed at the Nittany Budget. Stayed at Joe Paterno's house. Well, blue, blue, the um, stayed at the Nittany Budget Inn, whose uh, Wi-Fi password was Paterno twelve. Again, again, <laughs> so he's fact, like he's um, Joe Paterno is. Uh, what do you say? Re rehabbed. He's he's now acceptable to talk about. I, I you know I wonder if this is like a this is like their statement. You know, because there are certainly going to be people in state college that will continue to defend him for the horrible things he did. And, I, you know, did I, he, I can't even remember. Did he like say he was sorry or anything? Did he, did no, he do he, like a Derek Chauvin, you know, um, you know, condolences to the to the people I abused? No. And I, I think I'm remembering this correctly. He was pretty defiant right up until the time he died and in, in defending, you know, not so much defending Sandusky, but defending his his reaction to it. And, you know, the, he was the, what ignorant of it or which he clearly was not. I mean, no. it is obvious that he had football full coach, you know, they're so detail oriented. They, they just, they know every nut and bolt in the whole place. I mean, that guy ran that campus and ran that town for decades. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way he did not know what his best friend was doing. And especially considering all the, the, players and assistant coaches that came into his office to complain about it. You know, it's, it is, if people don't know about the, 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 cause it's, again, it's a story that's a couple decades in the past now, right. You know, even all these allegations came out and Sandusky, you know, his, and the, the, the call the university president facing criminal charges. Like this is nothing like he this. He actually left, didn't he? Yeah. And I like, I think the only thing you can really compare it to, I think is the Larry Nasser thing at Michigan yeah. where, where they, you know, actually these things came out and there was some consequence, but, and then of course Paterno conveniently died, although he may have pulled an Elvis and just moved himself to South, South, South America to get away from it all. But, 
But so Elvis is still alive. Well, he's, even if he, even if he did, Elvis is probably dead by now. I would think. But, <laughs> even if he did, but I, I would. Uh, I, it'd be interesting to hear some Joe Paterno sightings from around the world. <laughs> it, it, it is funny that how they still there still is still are pockets of reverence for him in state college. And that's, God. that's where the last pockets of reverence for Joe Paterno yeah. will be. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but state so, co- I will, I will throw in another endorsement this week for the Nittany budget, Nittany, but Nittany budget motor lodge or Nittany yeah. budget hotel, $64, super wow. clean, really nice. Wow. Very safe. You know, again, traveling yeah. in an open Jeep with my stuff everywhere. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's nice to sleep where your vehicle's right on the other side of the window. So, um, so you finally got there, got there, got here Tuesday evening, had a day of not rest running around, trying to get ready for the funeral, buying a new jacket, just making sure everything was ready. And then Thursday we had the, the mass in the morning and then a reception. And and I will, I I need to, I want to thank everyone who came out to this, um, my dad, my dad was a, a giant presence in a lot of people's lives and, and did a lot of favors for a lot of people professionally and personally. And we were overwhelmed by the, um, by the, 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 his former play, you know, he had like 30 or 40 of his former college players showed up for this. And, nice. you know, the, the same number of, of people that had worked. I mean, there were, probably 250 people at the mass and you know, a lot of, a lot of people, he was a school superintendent for, for years and years and the teacher in that district. So there were tons of, of Edison school, you know, representatives of the Edison school district. And, you know, for me, I, I don't get back here very often. And there were, I saw so many people that I hadn't seen in 20 or 30 years. And it was, it, it was a pretty remarkable day. And the, just to, to to have all those people come up to you and, and tell you what what he meant to them, it was, I mean, that's, it, that's it, nice. it was it was as as comforting as anything could be, really. Yeah. And yeah. then and then the my my sisters, my mom, and my niece and nephew, my brother in law, and my aunt uh, went out to dinner. Actually, we went to this place that we used to go all the time when we were kids. This the Mayfair it was a pizza place and bar, just the typical seventies and eighties old dirty diving, vinyl tablecloths, vinyl tablecloths, yeah. red vinyl booths, yeah, check tablecloths, and I mean the greatest New York style pizza. And now it's it's been. And fancy. of course, you sat down with your fork and ate it. Yep, yep. <laughs> and it, but it's been and we, you know fried clams like and so it's but it's been fancied up and now it's a place i won't i won't plug the place because yeah yeah but yeah. it's um it, it was it was interesting like you go into this place that's completely been transformed and you know the food of course is a lot a lot fancier and a lot more expensive as is everything in this town since i've left but um yeah so it's been um as I said to you when, when we first came on the call, I don't know if I've ever been this exhausted in my entire life. And part of it is the travel. Part of it is the emotional, you know, right, trying to right. absorb all this stuff. And just like we've all, I mean, all of us, my sisters, my mom, we're all just wiped well, clean. You know, when you lose somebody that's really important and, you know, bigger than life kind of, there's no, nobody replaces them. You just have this oh, yeah. um, 
vacancy that is is not not fun. Yeah, there's 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 not going to be any replacing my dad in in our lives or, you know, again, like he was a bit of a public figure and had all of these. There are there are three people that were at that memorial that would that are school superintendents that would not be that if it weren't for my dad. Like he was and one of them actually is a guy that I went to grew up with, went to elementary, went to middle school and high school with. And it's funny to see, you know my friend Jared now is Dr. Rummage. He's actually the superintendent in the district where my niece goes. Nice. So he's nice. there, you know, and then there, you know, a couple other guys that, that had played for my dad who are, you know, Vinny, Vinny Smith who's retired a few years ago and, and Rick Labby who's currently the superintendent in Sayreville. And just like, again, to see all these people and all these, you know, I was around all these, these college players when I was six, seven, eight, nine years old. Yeah, they, they've known me that long, and now, now, like we're all, you know, we're all just old men now, and it's kind of, it's kind of funny to see. <laughs> yeah, just, and, and without Matt, we're two old men today. <laughs> um, but before we uh, get off uh, your Jersey trip, the um, the one thing about cars. So my son Ben uh, has convinced me to lease cars, and so you know, you were talking about your sister with a new car and with repair the lease you know, there's no issues. You're driving a new car for two years and man, nothing, nothing. But you're paying $600 a month. I'm paying two fifty a month to drive an all electric car eh. with no gas. I'm saving 50 bucks a month on gas. I so. probably spent 700 bucks on gas to get here. Yeah. yeah. But again, I, I don't, but it's also the future, you know, and that's why I, I'm really, you know, the Tesla, um, uh, converted me that, that I had to drive an electric car. So I'm, I'm extremely happy. And, uh, you know, I, I talk about it like a, a new puppy or a new, new baby, you know, and, and maybe, maybe I'm exhibiting some, uh, bias bias here, but, uh, because I just, I prefer to drive something that smells a little bit. It makes a little bit of noise. Listen, but... once you once you get in an electric car, you'll never go back. Oh, I've been, but... I've driven electric cars. I don't like them at all. Oh am, man! I am, oh. I am, I am okay. Not, good. I, that gives I us something to argue about I other rented, than the Yankees and Red Sox. I, I rented a Prius for a long road trip once, and it was nice that you know the gas savings essentially paid yeah. for the rental. But it just—I don't know. It's not—I don't know. I guess I need some of some of the visceral <laughs> yeah. driving exp- are you, experience. Uh, are you? Uh, uh, I think you're Catholic, though, right? Uh, raised that way, kind of lapsed as an yeah. adult. Last yeah. night, so you, it's 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 your guilt. It's your guilt. You wanna you you wanna you want the crown of thorns. You know. For, you, you, you know. I I did take communion on Thursday, and I was afraid the entire church was going to crumble as I did. <laughs> but it, it was again, it was odd being in the in the church that I went to. You know, it's where I had <laughs> that's where I was confirmed by. Bishop, now disgraced Cardinal Theodore McCarrick. A little bit of trivia there for you. Nice, nice. The guy who kind of uh, took the fall for the entire, um, you know, sexual abuse scandal was was the bishop in my in my diocese yeah. when I was. Well, confirmed. you know, we don't we don't have to talk about uh, corrupt uh, Catholic <laughs> priests because we can talk about the NCAA. But before we talk about them and their demise. Um, through the courts, uh, I do want to say that, you know, the Red Sox Yankees series is, you know, it's not kind of like 
back in the Thurman Munson, Carlton Fisk days that, you know, where there was just this sort of burning hatred between New Yorkers and Boston. And, and then in, um, Connecticut, you like where Mac grew up, yeah, yeah. you had this like line where at some point you were, you had to pick one or the other. And most of the people that are in the, in the West of the state tended to be Yankees. And as you move to the East, because they had Pawtucket too. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, but, um, but the, the white, the Red Sox have really, um, it's, you know, they may not keep this up all year, but they've been a definite surprise. Nobody expected them with uh, all these retread pitchers, which really is their weakness still. Um, but nobody expected them to be competing like they are. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think they're overachieving a little bit, and the Yankees are probably underachieving a little bit, and still it's it's fairly close. And I, I went to bed before the game was over last night, but they, they watch a lot of baseball in this house, and that, so I'm okay. I'm seeing more So it was more a good game. Here. It was 3-3, and uh, Renfro hit a, a sacrifice fly. I saw that. It was 4-3 yeah. when I went to bed. Yeah, and then they, the Red Sox scored one more run. Okay. Um, but but I mean I think I think you're right about the the rivalry not being as heated and since the Red Sox won since they broke the curse and since they won a couple of titles I feel like there's not as much at stake I mean it's games- weird because because before the argument was especially from Yankees fan you know when the Yankees were winning 15 World Series and the Red Sox hadn't lost won anything in 86 years it was there's no rivalry because the Red Sox never do, do anything. There wasn't. Is the hammer the hammer in the nail Joe, that's rivalry? The, but that's when the um, hatred was the best. It was uh you know was yeah. there. Well I think you had more to more to hate for at that point. And also I think it's also um you know what we talk about a lot, which is the modern sports fan identifies with players more than with teams. And, you know, which, so say you love LeBron James. Well, what's your favorite team? Is it Cleveland? Is it Miami? Is it the Lakers? Is it the next team he's going to be on? You know, um, I, I think it, I think it shifts. I think it, I think it moves. You know, I think, I think you, if you're a fan of LeBron James, you're, you're going to root for the Lakers this year. If he goes back to Miami, you're going to root, root for Miami next year. So anyway, I think that that being attached, you know, whereas when you and I grew up, we were attached to teams, mm-hmm. you know. Well, it was, and, it was, and again, I hate to be the crabby old man, but it was easier without the player movement. Right. But exactly. Again, I, I feel like yeah. the, it, I, I really love tumultuous off seasons. I love when we go into the off season and where's Kevin Durant going to be next year? Where's right. LeBron going right. next year? Right. And that to me, I think, it it helps the league certainly to have yes. all that and interest the draft in and all that, you yeah. know, is, is big news. Um, but we yeah. do, we got we do have a lot like there's a lot happened this week. Um, yeah, Carl Carl Nassib was was the big story and okay. But before we do that, I just want to say, um, you, you know, just finish up this little discussion we're having about players movement because back in our day and and my day precedes (laughs) yours, but um, players did not move from the team. They basically stayed on the team for their whole thing. The, uh, the Red Sox last night had a retirement for Pedroia and Pedroia was just a spectacular player who 
even as a rookie from Arizona State, you know, which was a great baseball program, nobody thought he was going to be any good except for Pedroia. He had tremendous self-confidence. But he was a terrific player, spectacular fielder, tough you know, he was pretty much one of my favorite Red Sox. He was a, he's a very good, but I think the bar has been lowered for retired numbers. So, and even the Yankees. Did they re- I don't think they retired his number, did they? Oh, they, I, don't I, I don't No, I don't think they did. They all wore number 15. Uh, but I, mean, but, but I, mean, I just admire his 17 seasons, even though the last two seasons, you know, were, he didn't play much. Yeah, the, the Yankees are running out of jersey numbers. Because they they the Celtics retired. have that same problem. Yeah, they retired. Well, the Celtics, you know, they the the players that are hanging in the, in the rafters of the Boston Garden deserve to be all deserve right. to be there. I think uh, up until maybe ten or twelve years ago, I would have been able to say the same about all the Yankee retired numbers. But I mean, if you want to wear a single digit number for the Yankees, you're in trouble at this point. Really, they're pretty much all all gone. I think. I'll have to go through. My sister's yelling at me right now because she I should know all this offhand and I used to, but the brain the brain, yeah, even, the brain. even the things that I used to know this week have But you know, the Yankees I you know, they seem to be a power at the beginning of the year. The off season seemed that they had really won it. You know, and Garrett Cole is a pitcher like no other. And and Chapman's still, you know, pretty impressive. But um their right-handed offense and the lack of any left-handed hitters is not a well-designed uh, club. And having Judge and Stanton, you know, I don't think either – I mean, I think Judge is the better fielder. Um, does Stanton even play in the field or is he just DH? Uh, again, my sister's going to yell at me and so is my nephew for this, but I think he has been playing mostly – mostly as a DH and, yeah. you know, and uh, tailoring the lineup with a bunch of left-handed hitters. I, the short right field porch is kind of a bit of a myth because it's really what only. What are you talking about? All oh. those cheap old runs. Roger Maris. Come on, man. No way that little creep, that beer salesman from Gainesville, you know, should have hit 61 home don't, runs. Don't, don't those are pop-ups to right field. Come on, man. It, it really is only. <laughs> That that short porch is really only for about twelve feet from the foul pole. After that, it's it's out about the same depth that left center is. It was much different in the old in both old Yankee stadiums. Oh, before they, they reconfigured. I mean, the the Yankee stadium from the forties before they reconfigured the outfield fence was absurd. It was four oh, something in in left oh. center. Now I think in the the old stadium that closed. It was like 378 to both alleys and was maybe 20 feet shorter at the pole. But like I said, pretty quickly within the New Yankee Stadium feet. is a beautiful place to watch a baseball game. It is. And again, here, here we'll, we'll, we'll cite my just old man crabbiness. It's not the same. And just like if they built a new Fenway, they right. could make it look the same and build it to the same dimensions, but it wouldn't be crumbling in places there wouldn't be seats behind poles it would lose obstructed views when you get yeah. stuck in right field your your head is at a weird angle for the whole game or, or just, yeah like seats you know. that face the the center field fence instead right. of the infield <laughs> yeah and yeah. you know the old garden was was no oh. better but again just yeah. the, the charm of those old places is completely lost yeah unless you yeah. go to a college game go to a college gym game yeah that's that's I think that's the last of it when we'll see 
you know, the the Duke still play at Cameron, even when they play most of their games in, you know, Madison Square in Raleigh. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, although um, who knows, Duke, Duke may be going off the cliff without their without their. Messiah. I don't know. They had a good recruiting class and they'll, um, you know, and this will be Coach K's last hurrah. So uh, I think it'll be OK. But um, but let, go, go to Nassib because that's a great story. It yeah. really is. And, and again, like we both know that there have been hundreds of, of gay players in the NFL and then the NBA. And I think what sort of struck me initially was it seemed like the reaction was very welcoming, very positive. And you heard from the Raiders organization, you heard from JJ Watt, you heard from Saquon Barkley, but it very quickly became obvious that there wasn't a whole lot of public outpouring of support from the league's premier players. And you know, I'm going to hammer on Brady here because he is, he is the golden boy of the league. And it, it really does – there's no excuse for every player in the league not to have issued a tweet or – Why? Why is it? Why is that important? Just his support? I think it's important both for, for him, for, for his, his mental health. I yeah. think it's, it's important for the future of the league. I think it's also important for every young gay athlete out there who wants to, who wants to be this – you know, wants to be an to NFL be player someday. I mean, look what happened with Michael Sam. Michael Sam was a standout college player for a major, major program, a major Big Twelve program, and then all of a sudden he came out before the draft, and then he was, he was well, a nobody. It's so, sort of it's sort of the same argument you hear about Kaepernick. You know, well, we didn't uh, Kaepernick didn't get resigned because he wasn't that good. Well, you know, excuse me, he was at least a second string quarterback yeah. on any one of the teams. And the same thing with Sam. That's a story that's said all the time. Well, he just wasn't that good to make it. He couldn't make a team. If no. he had not, if he had not come out, he would have been on an NFL roster yeah. for for a few years. He would have yeah. he would have been one of those like f- three or four year guys who, you know, had had a decent career and then went on to coach somewhere. But <clears> who get their body destroyed, right, right, right. But <laughs> and limp limp the rest of their lives. And yeah, we got to love our sports. <laughs> didn't qualify for a pension, but. Yeah, but and you have to give him some of the credit for this too. I don't think Nassib would have done what he did if it weren't for Michael Sam. Right. So right. we this always happens. We and Michael Sam wouldn't have done what he did if it weren't for all the retired players who then came out and said, "Look, right. I, and you've you've heard many many retired players say, "I knew we knew who was gay in our locker room and we didn't care." And that's Bottom line is in in sports, you are as valuable as your your abilities. And if you are Tom Brady and you come out, you're not going to have any trouble. If you're Carl Nassib, who's again a really really good player, if if there's any sort of if he doesn't play again, then you can't really deny that this is some sort of league-wide thing right because he's a he's the guy's had 20 something sacks in in four seasons he's a he's a really solid player so he's you know the the raiders haven't indicated they're going to drop him or anything no no no. the raiders have been have been in in support but other than watt and barkley and if he honestly we we've talked a few times about jj watt and if you if you 
if you still need a reason to like JJ Watt, you're not paying attention. But this, this just again, this is another thing that he was one of the strongest voices to come out and support. And it it bothers me that not a whole lot of individual players on the Raiders came out in support of him. And huh. you know, so I the, didn't even think about that aspect to it. And, and the league, but, the league did. I'll, I'll give credit to Goodell. Yeah. He, you know, and they're, they're good. There, but again, the league does everything based on marketing and money. And if they if they feel like they can welcome in some new fans by welcoming in Carl Nassib, then then they'll do that. I'm I'm really curious to see what happens on the field and what happens in training camp. You know, there's going to be there's going to be players that hurl slurs at them on the field, and it's going to be ugly. And we'll see how the league reacts to that. I, I'm this is, but this is you know this is a this is a giant development in professional sports there's no yeah and it's reflective of of where society has moved and it really has moved i think in a very good direction what i would love to see is another dozen players make this make a similar announcement before the season starts that's that's i would really like to see and same thing in the nba it's the all you know it's about to be the off season so there's going to be you know i'm sure there's going to be a couple nba players that that come out as well but it's um it's, now go, let's talk about the NBA for a minute. There was this game last night with Atlanta. Atlanta had upset Milwaukee the first game, and it was I think at halftime it was seventy-seven to thirty-five. There was a forty-two point difference at halftime. They could have not scored at all for the third quarter and still been ahead. ahead. Atlanta. I feel like Atlanta is the Miami of last year. They're sort of they had a decent regular season. They're sort of taking us all by surprise in the playoffs. I don't think they're a championship team. I think again, I, I've said this from the beginning of the season. I think the champ's going to be the Western champ. But interesting, interesting. But I have to say that Milwaukee's um, m- making me f- feel some hope that the East might win. But the um, I think that the big thing that Milwaukee did in that second game was, however, they're guarding, and I guess it's Drew Holiday. Uh, is guarding uh, Young. He's not getting many open shots. He's not. He's not uh, scoring. And and uh, you know before he was just being able to to on, on all the games he played in the playoffs, able to just maneuver and and score at will. Yeah, uh, and I I think you know Atlanta's the most. Atlanta's the most one-man team of any of the four that are left. The rest of them right. have multiple stars, and I think right. that's why that's why they they're not going to advance. Look at the but, Clippers last night. I think it was last night um, or the night before. But the, without Kawhi, um, you know, Paul George, who I always sort of felt like I f- used to feel about Harden, is not really that good. He was spectacular. He really was. And uh, he, when when he's on, he can do so many different things. And yeah. that's, I think. You know, it's interesting. We talked about last year how the bubble playoffs should probably have an asterisk. I think it's actually turned out that this is the playoffs that needs the asterisk because right. you look at all these injury problems, these fatigue problems. The marquee teams are out. It's kind of it's right. kind of cool to see. Well, they jammed those seventy two games in a month and a half, yeah. and um, and people got hurt. People yeah. got hurt. And you people know, basketball is there's a lot of running involved and you know, you you need to rest. And if you had a long run in the playoffs, especially the teams that had to play play hard in the little conclusion of the regular season portion, I think that hurt that hurt certainly hurt the Lakers. It definitely hurt Philly. I think it hurt it definitely hurt the Blazers. 
Now, the thing about Philly, Philly's interesting. So Simmons is Mm. just basically they're looking on him as a disaster. You know, I mean, he really did collapse. I mean, the point is the foul shooting is, you know, like, yeah, I get it that the guy doesn't have a good jump shot, except I don't get it because he's a spectacular athlete who can practice all year long in his backyard or in a fancy gym and can hit a 15 foot jump shot. Give me a break. I I don't get that one. 37% free throws. Which is terrible. And the thing is, it, in basketball, shooting is the one skill that you, you can, can definitely, you can, all you need to do is shoot a million jump shots and you'll get better at shooting jumps, or at least everyone else in the world will. Well, but also the foul shots. You know, yeah. stand up there, three dribbles, look at the front rim, follow through, you know, keep your wrist. You know, it's not, there's not that many moving parts to a foul shot. And once you sort of, get it down, you get it down. And I don't get why a spectacular, you know, because even if you go back to Wilt Chamberlain, remember that was his, oh, yeah, yeah. that was his bet noir in the beginning was his 50% foul shooting, but he improved it with that under you know, the yeah. Rick Barry. Oh my God. Rick Barry was a 90% und- shooter underhand and Wilt got a little bit better with a little reverse spin on it. You know, I think he got up to 60% or something. Well, and Wilt somehow managed to score a hundred points in a game despite that. I mean, that that's the thing, you know, the, the point of basketball is to score and you can have a Ben Simmons on your team, but you can't have Ben Simmons be the second best player on your team. I think, I think actually, I think he's a good fit for Portland. I think you can get him for, Pennies yeah. on the dollar this offseason. Right, you don't have to give have... Lillard up for, for him. No, and the you, thing is, no. he's also, I think he needs a new venue that he yeah. could really change things. You know what was the most spectacularly horrible play that he did was it was late in the game, and, and Philly was in the game. Um, he drove the baseline, and he had a clear dunk, and he passed the ball off. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was bizarre. Yeah. That was... And that he, was harmful. It's t- it's so hard to watch because he does everything else so well. Does yes. everything else so and he's well. He's a great defender. Yeah. A but great the Blazers defender. the Blazers have nine players on their roster who can score if they bring everybody back, if they bring Powell and Nurkic back. But I think I I want to talk a little bit about the Blazers because it looked for most of this week like they were going to hire Becky Hammond. Yeah. Chauncey Billups and Jason well, and Kidd. And they hired anybody other. Well, so this is what happened. These are the rumors coming out from last night. Chauncey Billups and Jason Kidd were the two that were mentioned right away. And Lillard wanted Kidd. Chauncey Billups and Jason Kidd both have some pretty, like Jason Kidd beat up, beat his wife up. That's But now, that's, okay, and I agree. But that was 20 25 years ago? Has he been a model citizen in there? I don't know. I, I mean, is, is that a forgivable? It doesn't sound it to me either. I kind of... I, I think you've yeah. got you've got a lot of choices you can make. You don't need to pick from, from those two. And Chauncey Billups, again, it's an old 1997 allegation, but he was accused of rape fairly credibly and, again, got out of it because of his... Yeah. Yes. Many, many dogs in this house. So good. Um, So So, anyway, so so you don't want to see those two. I don't want to see either of those two, but it appears. So the team owner, it was Paul Allen, the Microsoft guy, right? He died earlier this year. I think maybe last year and left the team to his sister, Jody, who is not, not a basketball fan, admittedly, not a basketball person, not a basketball fan, but 
I think as she became more aware of what was going on with this process, she started pushing for Becky Hammond. And I, man, that would have been, that would be a great, but you're, you're that would be a great hire, but are you saying it's not going to happen? She's got a, a superstar player and a really solid roster. I think it sets her up for success, but no, the, the news this morning is that they're going to, that they've offered Billups the job and that they're just working out contract details. And again, you know, he, she's got seven years coaching experience. He's been an assistant for I think a year or two. I yeah, mean, the, the, but he was a he was a really headsy player. So you know, I think he so, might so be was, a good coach. So was Becky Hammond. I at the so levels of kid. the yeah. levels of enthusiasm I'm going to have for you know the difference in the level of enthusiasm I'd have for for. Hammond that I'm going to have for Billups. Well, but if Billups comes in and they make it to the uh, Western Finals next year, you'll change your tune. And that would be the worst thing to happen because then he'd probably hang on for another five years. I would love to see, honestly, I, I, and I'm, you know, I I would just at this point would love to see whoever hires Becky Hammond to win it all next year. Like that's yeah. I just in that. Well, it'll be exciting to you know see a woman professional coach in whatever sport it is. And uh, just like, you know, the, the Miami Marlins hiring a, f- a female general manager, it's very spectacular. It's awesome. And the thing, the truth is, is that women are as smart or in my opinion, smarter than men. Women like sports, like men, women understand sports like men. There's no reason just because maybe they can't hit a ball 425 feet that um, they shouldn't be coaches, managers, and general managers. Well, and I mean, you look at the reception that the, and the assistants, and there's three, I think now three women who are assistants in the NFL on field assistants, and they've all, you know, all drawn much respect and praise and they've all been very successful. So I think that does help, but there's a lot of NBA openings this year. And if, if, Hammond. Now let's talk about the, the Celts. Or you well, the, still want to go on about Portland? Well, I just I just want to mention like Becky Hammond isn't even the only the only right. attractive candidate. There are three or four other women who right. who are qualified and could be hired. There could be we could see two two women. There are a lot of NBA openings, and if and if you know Becky the thing Hammond is, doesn't get a job, if Becky Hammond doesn't get a job this year, there's a problem. Okay, good. I mean, the thing is that one problem that historically has been retreading Stan Van Gundy for 15 times or his brother. You know, it's like, you know, like, okay, so this guy got us, you know, these coaches get a chance. And, okay, so, like, look at Belichick. Okay, so he had three or four years with Cleveland, a lot of extenuating circumstances, but he certainly didn't look good. Then he turned out to be a great coach. So, I mean, it's possible that somebody who hasn't been successful – could turn out to be great. But it, if you haven't been successful, like for four teams and you still continue to get hired, which is what it used to be, you know, so it's great that to me that women are being considered. Well, and that's where I think the bar is different, right? If Becky yeah. Hammond gets hired, she better make it to the conference finals or make it to the, the NBA finals in her first three years, or she's going to be gone. Where, like you said, we get these retread men who are just, you know, over and over again, I think, and you know, I'm going to put Brad Stevens in that category too, because I think he's underachieved. So is Doc Rivers. I mean, you look at what they yeah, what he did. No, Doc Rivers has, although, you know, he won in 2008. So he does have one 
championship. And he's going to – how that was 13 years ago. Yep. He's going to ride yep. that for another 30 years of an NBA yeah. coaching career. No, he's um, – I, I agree. I mean, I loved him when he was the Celtics coach, but they, you know, they just had that one – um, thing now, I got to step well, in well, and, and, and defend. They, they also just I got to defend Stevens, though. Well, I just want to say the, the, the Celtics did not win that title because of any coaching genius no. on Doc three Rupert. great players. Kevin Garnett won them that title, right? And then that, um, PJ Brown that's a cool story. So, PJ Brown was retired, and uh, Garnett especially talked him in to coming back and it turned out to be he was exactly what they needed a big defensive uh player good rebounder could hit clutch shots he was a tremendous addition to that to that uh, spectacular team but um okay. i was wrong, wrong about stevens i thought he was going to be gone in a week he's he's made really good moves um we have a we have been joined by a dog co-host uh, <laughs> So he's made two, like the trade of Walker was really, really good trade. Whether Horford has anything left or not, it gave them financial uh, freedom. They gave up the 16th pick, but the 16th pick this year, very doubtful, will we'll have more promise than Moses Brown. Moses Brown yeah. could be a, a talented yeah. big guy, and you take chances on these young big guys. And the thing is, when they turn out to be good, if if they turn out to be good, you know, like um, or like Miami and their uh, uh, Bam, Bam Autobio, yeah, yeah, um, you know, he's a good, good player, sound player. Well, um, and, uh, Capella, sound player. You know, uh, all you know, once you get a sound center, it makes your team a lot better. Well, and Horford's definitely got a couple more really good years in him, and that's for for you know. On the court, that was a great trade. That the well, the and players, the finances, the finances yeah. also. Well, then yeah. they brought in two players who are going to fill two giant gaping holes in their lineup, right. and I think they can still get the most out of the players that they and they now have money to get somebody else to do some more. And they're certainly not done, not done dealing. I don't think right. Oklahoma City is going to keep Walker either. It seems like they're going to he'll he'll be moved pretty quickly and he's he's got a lot of value and they could turn him into he's a great player who just was always hurt for the Celts. you know the Celts have had bad luck with Kyrie and with Kemba you know they've tried but it just hasn't worked out for them but I like what's happening now and I love their their coach hire well that and the other thing the uh, you hear a little scuttlebutt that Kyrie Irving may be traded because we've got you look at their there are a lot of teams that had title aspirations that were colossally disappointing. You know, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Blazers, certainly among them, there's going to be potentially some superstar movement or some trying to build around the remaining superstars. So there's going to be, and Matt's going to hate this, of course, because it's just going to be, we're going to see the magnetism of superstars, sorry, superstars joining superstars. But it uh, this is going to be. But a the good news for me is season. that the Lakers are, um, you know, they're going to have a bad year next year. They they're in a bad financial situation. So even if LeBron and Davis are play, they're not going to. They they need other players, and they're not. They're going to. They're going to mark it down, Joe. They're going to have a bad year. But um, what, what, what's what's bad year? Five hundred or out of the playoffs? 
out of the no, not winning the championship. That's what's a bad year for them. <laughs> and that, um, it's funny. That's where the bar is for LeBron every right. year, no matter where he is right. and what he has around him. If he doesn't win the championship, it's and a- so the thing is, it's um, I've seen several shots of this. You know, like I have to say, I, I loved Magic Johnson, even though. You know, but this one year he beat the Celtics, won the final game with a 15-foot hook shot uh, going across the lane. That was just, you know, I watched it again yesterday and get this sinking feeling, you know. Like it was right at the end of the game, and it was just such a beautiful clutch shot and won, I think it was game seven. Why do you torture yourself by watching (laughs) it? It just was on the screen. I watched it, and it was just hard. I'm going to disagree with you as vehemently as I'm able to do anything right now. Um, I think angry LeBron is going to be very dangerous. And I think I don't think he needs much around him to contend. And I I think also Uh, I I disagree. But anyway, but you're I mean, the thing is, on paper, LeBron, a healthy LeBron, a healthy AD should win a championship. Well, and that's where we'll see if, you know, Portland or the Clippers or one of these teams can that's almost there can put something together. Golden State is is almost there. You know, yeah. I think they get they and get I think Thompson Golden back. State is an example. I think that's why LA is just they need, you know, yeah, they have two transcendent players. They need more than that. And a team like Golden State has a lot of options. Well, and you yeah. know it's funny, we've talked all this time about the NBA. We haven't talked about the most impressive team in the playoffs so far, which has been Phoenix by far. Boy, and they are. And is Chris Paul a great player? Well, and they, you, you know, know he's just amazing. They had this fantastic season. The playoffs started. Nobody, everyone had them losing to the Lakers in the first round. Right and now, they are clearly the best team at, left out of these four. Nine in a row until they lost the other night. I'd be, yeah. I'd be stunned if they don't win the championship. But this playoffs, I, I don't think there's anything left that could stun me any more than I already have been. It's, I have to say that. If Milwaukee plays like they played last night, you know, like um, the Greek freak has figured out that he does he does, he doesn't need to take the three pointers. He needs to just get by the by the rim because he's so big and he's so yeah. agile. He did this move where he spun, lost his defender, went up, and I think the Capella maybe is the center um, was there to block the shot. And he it just was going in for a dunk. And then because the defender was there, he just rolled his hand around, went around the side and laid it in. It was, of course, and then he ran down court celebrating his greatness, which, <laughs> you know, I have to say I did play in my basketball days. I did play some real stars and they tended to be often not very nice people because they're so intent on what made them great that, that, you know, they're not, they don't really have the gentle, um, uh, ness, uh, and, and magnanimity that, um, other people have, you know, you, you know, it's funny. I've, I worked for a few years as a, a stagehand as a sound and lighting technician for concerts in North Carolina. We did, you know, we did Bruce Springsteen. We did ZZ top. We did all the, the giant acts and, Famous musicians, successful musicians are either still as down to earth as they were when they were playing in their basement at 17 years old, or they are complete a-holes. Yeah. And the, the, the a-holes really do stand out. Like as on the other end, um, 
Sugarland. Do you know Sugarland? Yeah. Jennifer yeah. Nettles from Sugarland was the kindest, most gracious. The thank you to everybody. Robert Plant, nicest guy, one of the nicest human beings I've ever worked around. Um, there were so. <laughs> you should my, you should listen to um, Ed's uh, nine volt heart show on Saturday night. Oh, I love that. I, I love that. Because show. His everyone should listen. Are spectacular. Everyone Ed, should listen Ed, to. Let's put a plug in for Ed. Everyone should listen to Ed's show. Ed's yeah, show. Yeah, definitely should. And also, Margo happens to be a fan of our show, too. So there we you should, go. We'll we make should a brought, family plug. We should have brought Margo on today if we had known Matt wasn't going to be with us more than five minutes. Yeah, but there's there's not much going on for UMass other than, you know, they have a basketball coach who can recruit but can't coach. And every player leaves after one year. So I don't know what's going on there. I do. I do want to finish the stagehand story because this is, this is something that has turned me off of this band for a couple of decades now. But do you know the band Tool? Yeah. There is. They have in their concert rider a provision that local crew is not to look Maynard, the lead singer, in the eye at any moment. So you're not even allowed to look at him. That's how special he is. The joke, they don't write that down on paper, do they? They do. It is part oh. of the contract that the union has to sign. The Jonas Brothers hilariously do They're not... They're great kid. They, they do um, great kid songs. Oh, do they? That's interesting. Because yeah. yeah. when they play live, they don't play their own instruments. They have a band behind the stage that is playing for them. Their instruments are not connected to anything, but oh be- no! But before the show, before the show, young Mister Jonas—I don't even know which one it was. I think it's wa- Billy walking around backstage, strumming an acoustic guitar with a t- girl on the right side and a girl on the left side walking right behind him, all for show, all for show. The um, I think it was the Backstreet Boys had a reunion. They came off the stage, the four of them. And as soon as they stepped out, like on stage, they're hugging and they're yeah. best buddies. They yeah. walk off the stage in the four of them in four different directions to their dressing rooms, to their buses. It's it's funny. I mean, you see a lot of things back there that, that kind of turn you on and turn you off to certain people. So we could do a whole other podcast about. Well, and before, you know, since we only have a couple of minutes left, I, um, I do want to mention, you know, in Massachusetts, um, the high school playoffs are back, and it's great. So um, Northampton and Belchertown just won the Western Mass Tennis thing. Northampton's in Division One, and Belchertown's in Division Four or something. And you know, it's um, and so like for Belchertown, it's two in a row, but there was an empty year in between when they didn't play. Yeah. So it's just really nice to see, you know, that the uh, high school players are getting to get out there and, and have the the playoffs again. Well, well, it seems like just in time for another outbreak of COVID. I mean, it's, and I, again, I just drove all the way across the country and didn't see a mask from Kennewick, Washington until I got to New Jersey. Right. So but in, in New England, you know, we tend to still be masked a lot, uh, and especially in stores. But, um, you know, it's, you're right. It's a dangerous time because there's half the states. It's almost like this, um, a horrendous experiment where you know like the tuskegee experiment where they gave the the poor people um syphilis except um, except here it's the it's people opting out on it's their self-choice. own self-choice and yeah. it's funny because it looks like a political map 
in yes. the red, the red states. And so those 25 states that aren't vaccinated, they have the real potential to be really attacked by this variant. Well, and they also have the potential because it's summertime and everyone's been cooped up for a year and a half. People are traveling a lot this summer and people are going to yeah. these places. And, you know, the, the vaccine doesn't prevent you from getting or transmitting the virus. It prevents you from getting deathly ill. And until we're at 72, 75 percent, we may as well be at zero percent. And it, it it's made me comfortable in the moment not wearing my mask everywhere. But I'm going to start wearing it. My sister and I were talking about this this morning. I'm going to start wearing it more and more often now you know just knowing that you can't and when i see someone without a mask i sort of suspect that they're not vaccinated even though i know i'm vaccinated i'm not wearing mine all the time either but all right well listen thanks um, thanks everybody we, we did miss matt this week and hopefully he'll be back next week but thanks a lot for listening to sports plus with baker and big d and joe and uh we'll see you next week thanks everybody